Heard on Spotify Greenroom. Hello. Wow. Hi, Lainey. Rachel. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, wait. I'm going to ask to speak. Hey. Oh, no, I don't need to ask to speak. I'm right next to you. Hi, guys. Let's wait for some people to join. How's everyone doing this week? Did you watch the documentary? Yeah, I want to know how many people watch this. And can people hear me okay? We're actually in the same room. Trying a new way of doing it. We're sitting right by each other. Yeah, you can hear. Great. Sweet. Yeah, let us know if you watch the documentary. Um, If you know about the case. We're curious if everyone's coming in with some knowledge about what we're going to talk about. Great. Everyone's showing up right on time. Rachel's texting people in the chat. I am. I am. <laughs> okay, let's let's just get started. Okay. We have a lot to get to. I took so many notes for this. I don't know how many of my notes we're going to get to, but we will hit some of the main points. Yeah. If you guys... It, it, look, we're going to talk about the Children of God cult. I don't know if everyone watched the five-part docuseries, but for me personally, it was like soul-sucking. It's... It's an absolutely tragic <laughs> story. Devastating. Like, look, I'm going to be the first to admit I cried. <laughs> At the yeah. end, I was in tears uh, by the end. We'll get to it later. But... I, I cried in episode four for a completely different reason. Okay. It well, was a personal thing. Okay. Let's but get to look, it. I'm tired. Uh, it, it was it was well done, though. And I really liked hearing from the victims, the survivors. So we're going to start basically... It starts out saying that this is like a world, this was a worldwide cult. And for some reason, I mean, like, I'm, I guess I knew that, but I forgot that because I always sort of just assumed children of God cult or I associate it more with like an American cult. Yes. But it really was a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, we first meet Hope, her mom and her dad met in Paris in 1977. And her mom met her father because the dad was in this cult and he was dancing around the streets of Paris with other members of children, of God cult. And the mom was like, Oh, they look like they're having fun. Yeah. And that's, that's a classic cult move. Yeah. You get them in with the fun stuff. Right. And yeah. Desi, you always say that you could never be seduced into a cult because you're turned off by that immediately. I don't like that fun That's stuff. That's not how to get you. No. They have to lure you with cake. <laughs> yeah, something like cake. Maybe. So the mom gets involved with the cult. A couple of different cult survivors use the term love bomb. Yeah. Yeah. That That's a tactic that is like a very cult tactic to get people to join. Well, it's a manipulative narcissist type thing to do to get the people in. Yeah. yeah. Um. So then we meet Verity from Glasgow and her mom got involved in 1975. According to Verity, she felt she was part of something special for the first time in her life. Then we meet Celeste. She's from Kent, England. Her mom joined the cult when she was 16. So Celeste was born into the cult. Her mom met her dad there and they believed they were on a mission to save the world. Yeah. And uh, then we meet David Berg's grandson, Joshua. And he says, or somebody says, that the cult was founded in 1968. Then we get a lot of footage of hippies dancing. I thought the archival footage in this was really good. I liked seeing it. I agree. But no matter what subject the documentary is, if you're going to have a documentary that takes place in the late 60s, you're going to have this exact same footage of hippies dancing i like seeing hippies dance <laughs> no i i agree i do too I just, it's always you know the move like you guys can't see me but it's always this move yeah where it's like not really they're dancing. vibing yeah it's like vibing <laughs> look i've seen my dad do it okay so then we have um we start talking about how david berg really took advantage of this movement during the 60s like the whole vibe he's like yeah. oh and i think this is common with a lot of cult leaders is they really take advantage of like what's going on uh in the culture at the time people are searching for answers right i think especially this exploded after the vietnam war 
in the seventies when people were feeling really disillusioned, Oh, the hippie movement, uh, it didn't, it didn't pan out whatever. And they're searching for answers. And, um, yeah. So then Joshua talks about love bombing. There's a lot of, like they said, a lot of people mention love bombing in this, which is a very classic tactic to get people to trust you. Now the children of God cult is an end of days cult. Right. So end of days basically means they're going to predict that like they're doing this whole thing so that they can bring about what the, is it called the revelation? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Jesus comes. It's a Christian based cult basically. Yes. Yeah. It's a Christian based cult, uh, but it's way off the wall in the beliefs. Yes. Obviously. And David Berg believed he was a prophet and his grandson calls him a narcissist, which is what he is. Um, you really do have to be a narcissist to believe you're a prophet and to start a cult and believe that like, <laughs> people. <laughs> I'm sorry, Desi just got a notification on our phone that was like, Are you, you want to eat something? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, anyway, you have to be a special kind of narcissist to start a cult. I could never do it. I don't have enough confidence. No, I'm just not interested. <laughs> <laughs> not only do I not have enough confidence, I would get really lazy and be like, you know what, you guys, you guys do some preaching. It seems like a week. lot of work. And obviously David had an ulterior motive here in addition to his narcissism. Desi, you pointed out something to me before we started that was so spot on, on why this cult started and like what his mission for this cult was essentially. Yes. I mean, basically I can't remember if it was episode two they talk about an incident he had with his mother, who was also some kind of um, religious fanatic in some way. He grew up with her and she basically catches him jerking off and shames him. So his whole motivation is basically like that kids should be allowed to feel sexual feelings and that it's natural to teach them that it's okay. Which isn't, technically wrong but but david berg david berg took that to mean i should be able to fuck kids yeah 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 i mean obviously you shouldn't shame kids for having sexual feelings no but, but uh, he, that doesn't mean you should get involved no, like, <laughs> no and that was this whole thing is david berg was a pedophile who had extreme delusions of grandeur yeah and believed that he he started this cult to basically fuck kids and fuck other people's wives yeah He's disgusting. Uh, so David gets his own daughter to spread the word about the cult in London in 1971. They go to 10 countries in Europe. And by the late 70s, 30,000 members around the world are involved in the Children of God cult. So David Berg encouraged adults and kids to have sex, including his own kids. Yeah. He's like, sure. And we'll talk more about his son, one right. of his sons later. David Berg, he goes on the run in 1972 after there's some lawsuits filed against him. Uh, then we learn about the Mo Letters, which is basically like a cult zine that he put out. Yes. News. It's kind of like the fearless flyer you get from Trader Joe's, except if it was like for pedophiles. Is that the one where we see the cartoon of his mom shaming him? Yes. Okay, yeah. He. This is a resentment he has held on to his entire life. And look, I know about resentments. If you don't let go of those, they're going to cause you to do bad things. I've never seen someone hold on to a single incident more <laughs> my entire life than, like, David Berg. than David Berg. Uh, that's crazy. The cartoon was wild with the mom sitting there. I mean, they kind of remind me of those there's a lot of like Christian oriented cartoon or comics that come out. Yeah. Uh, those are wild. Like I love to collect them. I, al I also was wondering like who's doing the graphic design for these because I felt like some of the artwork itself was pretty good. They look like legit comics until you read them. <laughs> yeah. They're demented. Then we meet Karen Zerby. Karen Zerby is his future. It was a secretary. Right. She was a secretary and she, um, she revolutionizes the concept of flirty fishing and flirty fishing is basically luring men into the cult with the promise of sex. I think this is one of the wildest aspects of this cult in particular. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of, um, I, I, I don't, I mean, I guess they had another cult, but it didn't really have a name. Like I know Manson 
got his girls to go out into the world and kind of lure men in and followers in with promises of sex and parties and drugs and like stuff like that. Yeah. But this is like next level uh, to me. Yeah. And um, so then we go back to Celeste. She moves with her mom and dad to India. The parents, they have more kids. David Berg at this point decides that everyone's wife belongs to everyone else as does everyone else's kids. Yeah. Like it's, he's basically like, I'm the daddy and everyone who's in the cult is my kids and grandkids. And the, I can fuck everyone. The worst. Anyone who self describes as your daddy is always awful. <laughs> with, without, with, except with, your dad. With some, ex- <laughs> with some exceptions. But this guy like took it. This was not a uh, mutual decision. No. He, he's deciding everything. He's basically disintegrating all of the nuclear families in the group. And making it one unit. Yes. Yeah. So he has complete total authority over everybody. So Celeste's dad got with an oh, got another woman pregnant and the mom complained about it. And because she complained about it, they sent her back to England. There's no dissenting in a cult. You can't. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can hear that. My cats are fighting. Um, so David Berg encouraged sharing sexual partners. There was even a schedule. Like literally they showed like a like a chart yeah of like this is who you're fucking this is who's fucking who on sunday this is who's fucking who on saturday it's fucking demented he uh there was even a schedule for like kids uh yeah when you're putting kids on the sex schedule your cults needs to go like yeah to jail (laughs) yeah hope was put on the sex schedule when she was only 10 I, I felt so bad for these women hearing their stories. When I tell you it took me 12 hours to watch this five-hour documentary, it's because I had to like take breaks to retch several times. It was awful. It was they horrible. were like very honest. So you were really hearing like all of the details that you don't really always hear because people don't want to talk about it. It was a lot more... Detailed. Yeah. I, I think they really want this information out there, and I think they don't think people uh, get it. Yeah, but you get it watching this for sure. Now, in part two, we meet Serena. She was born in David Berg's home in the Philippines. David Berg gave her a promise ring when she was three years oh old. That scene killed me. I was so revolted by that. And at the same, they had to like. Didn't he have to do something to it so it fit her finger? She was so little that he had to put tape around this promise ring so that it was, yeah, that it could stay on her finger. And he and she was like, "Here it was, a promise ring from Grandpa." Ugh. It's just like revolting. Uh, at the same time, the kids they have to help raise money to support the cults, like the communes that they live on. Yes, but none of the money that any of these families are raising goes to them; it goes to the top. So David Berg and the other people at the top of this cult are enriching themselves. And these families are not only being uh, like their kids, because a lot because a lot of the adults in the family members are participating as well. But these kids are like being impoverished and they're being abused on top of it. It's just despicable. It's disgusting. So Hope says that all these kids also had really strict regimented schedules and you had no alone time. You had to listen to these creepy tapes Oh, the tapes. You had to listen to these creepy cassette tapes of David Berg every night before you went to bed. And as a result of this, like the like this is the only thing these kids are exposed to is yeah. is David Berg. And I thought it was interesting. I didn't hear this before because I have listened to things on the, this case. Yeah. Uh, that he had been an evangelical leader before he started this cult and was thrown out for also um, committing sexual, um, I guess, sexual misconduct within his uh, church before he started this cult. So he's just been fucked up from the get-go. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was wanted by the FBI for kidnapping and sexual assault. And he went on the run with Karen Zerbe. Right. When they went to the Philippines, that's when she kind of became the co-leader. Right. I think. Yeah. Right. Um, another gross thing that they talked about in this documentary was that David Berg would have orgies with multiple women and kids would just be walking in and out of the room. Like they weren't even hiding any of this from the kids. Not that it made a bunch of a difference because they were also being abused anyway. Like, um, 
I mean, it is just like horrific from top to bottom. And like, yeah, they're just surrounded by this. And like, I had like a smidge of growing up with this kind of shit happening around me, like seeing sex and stuff like that. And it was bad enough at that level. (laughs) It's still traumatizing. (laughs) No, it's very traumatizing without all the added shit. Like, right. So Celeste moves to the commune in Greece because they have multiple communes throughout the world. Right. And Greece, the Greece one they called Loveville. Now that's one of the repulsive things that really stuck out to me, how he always acts like giving love is like, the way to God, but in his eyes, that means fucking. Yeah. Like, like he has all these sort of like nice sounding catchphrases for it. But yeah. It's basically all about sex and unconsensual, sex. unconsensual sex. Yes. And with minors also. Yeah. It's just none of it. Is, none of it is love. Related. No, sorry. No. Sorry, guy. No, it's, it's not. <laughs> sorry, grandpa. Now, Greece, the commune in Greece was the place to be for a cult member because this was the Hollywood Yes. Of the entire cult. If you, if you live on the commune in Greece, you're acting and singing in these like promotional. Yes. Entertainment videos. And they have the kid, they have their own cult. The music with meaning. Yeah. Videos. It's, yeah. It's cult kids bop. It was those videos were absolutely wild to me. Uh, it's just so creepy to see these little kids singing and he taught them how to dance. Like they had to dance too. And wear these like gauzy and be sexy as children. It's just like, it can't, it's like just when you think it can't get worse, it gets worse. Like that's what I'm saying about this being a soul crushing docuseries is that (laughs) it, it just, when you think things can't get worse, it does. And, and, uh, Uh, so Veritas's younger brother, he called these music things, right? Whatever. He called it a cross between toddlers TV and the wicker man. That seems accurate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause they're all like out in nature and they're wearing like skimpy gauzy things right? and dancing around. And it's all very like brainwashed and creepy and cult. And they're singing about Jesus. And who's, wasn't one of their dad's, the head of music for meaning was yeah. that hope i don't remember i can't remember that guy was creepy because it's like what sh- it's like do you think you're hosting like a real show like who's writing these songs like yeah who wrote those uh it's awful none of the songs were good either um then we okay then then we talk ugh. let's talk about davidito okay da- davidito Okay, Davidito. First of all, look, a lot of really horrific things happened to this kid. Oh my God. The first thing was him having to be named Davidito. Well, it wasn't his real name Richard, but then they switched it because it's like, yes, he is he little David. That's what I'm saying. No, it's like it's like this kid cannot catch a break from the moment he's born. Yeah. Davidito is Karen Zerby and David Berg's son. But I don't think he's his bio son. Okay. I think she had him before. So it's Karen Zerby's bio son. Yes. And this is his, like, a stepson. Okay. But he becomes the uh, whatever. This What they do to this kid, this one particular kid, is, like, so beyond. I don't even want to talk about it, but we will. Karen Zerby, his own mom, writes a graphic novel. Because they, they put out all these newsletters with, like, these comics Yes. And it was usually they just draw pictures of the kids, but in this one, they actually had photocopied images of their like four year old son or whatever. Right. And talking about his like sexual journey. This book is basically how to sexually abuse a child. It's a handbook. It's, It's a handbook for that. And they use their son, uh, for the model for this. And giving exactly. the examples and they put him in very, I mean, I'm assuming we don't even see the worst of it, No, uh, but he's in the pictures we do see. He's in these very provocative poses with adult women. Uh, and it's fucking disturbing. Yeah. Uh, it's like, how does that kid, you can't, that's like, how, almost, do, you recover how do you recover from that? from that? It's just, it's awful. Um, I kind of want to move on to part three. Okay. So, in part three, we are in Australia where the cult is busted. 
Yes. I think this is a flash forward. Yes. Is this, we're in the 80s now, primarily, for this. Right. And this is where we meet Sandy, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we get to see a lot more like media from the cult that they're putting out. And the media that they're putting out is primarily in the form of music videos. Right. And these music videos are for the other cult members, but they're also recruitment tools to hopefully recruit other people. I don't know how many people they recruited from these because they were fucking insane. Well, I was looking at the numbers at some point in the documentary, they show the membership. And I think it's like starts in the 20,000s and this is all over the world. Yeah. And by the 2000s, I think it's like 1500. So they're dwindling throughout the years uh, steadily. It's a steady decline. Like this is not a cult that's ever on the rise once it starts. No, it's always going down, which is good. Yeah. And (laughs) one of then like the main like message in these music videos is basically to keep everyone who's in the cult insulated from the real world because the real world to them is dangerous. And basically what that means is like, don't interact with, normal people who are outside of the cult because they'll find out you're being abused and right. Like it's, corrupt it's like, you. it kind of reminded me of like an evil, the village. Yeah. Where like you don't want to interact with the world, but they don't want it to happen because they don't want anyone to know what's going on there. Right. And then they start using, this is not the eighties, but in the nineties, they used the river Phoenix death. Cause he was a member of this cult is him and his kid. family as a kid. And when he died of an overdose, they basically used him as a cautionary tale, like see what happens when you leave the cult, right. you are taken in by the devil and start doing drugs and partying and you end up dead. Like really sick shit. Yeah. Because him and his family, I don't know how long they were not, they, they weren't in the cult for that long. Just when him and his brother and sisters were very young. That's when I heard of this cult. And I don't think I knew how depraved it was. Same. I thought it was just a typical like hippie kind of commune cult type deal. Yeah. I had heard about it because of River Phoenix and Joaquin Phoenix and the whole Phoenix family. But I didn't learn how depraved it was until the last podcast on the left episode about it. Yes. A few years ago, whenever they did that, which is a very good episode for really comprehensive look on this. One of the songs that's, they make a music video for is like called Kathy don't go to the supermarket (laughs) and the graphics in this are fucking wild it's like they're basically it's a music video about how you should never go to the supermarket because you'll be brainwashed there and like the devil is there and they talk about like this don't put your hand on the scanner yeah and like watch out I liked the TV one too oh yeah that one looked like almost like something you would have seen like yeah. in the early days of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful online or whatever. Totally. And the kid has like sunglasses. And they're neon flashing. Like the graphics, it was like, I don't know. It was somehow dated probably when they aired them. Like, yeah, there was one. I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember the tune to this, but one of the lines was don't get duped. It was like, don't get duped. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. And I was like, uh, except by us. <laughs> so then Celeste, one of the survivors, we go back to her. She moves to the Philippines. Now, the commune in the Philippines was locked down with like barbed wire. And this is where we learn about the detention camp that bad kids the bad teenagers are sent to if they if they're out of line which is very debatable for how they're being out of line it's like well verity called it the rotten apple retraining camp (laughs) it's horrific they they get sent to macau to this detention camp and they have to like i mean these kids they are beaten they're starved they have to wear like if they if they're on a silent pass like they're not you know they're on a silent whatever a restriction they have to wear a sign that says like don't speak to me i'm on silent restriction uh one of the young girls who was sent there was the granddaughter of david berg meanie she was sent to the camp for two years and she as a result obviously suffered a ton of mental illness and she died at age 45 but i don't know what she died from yeah but obviously her life was fucking ruined. And it was very like 
easy to be sent here. Because remember the one woman who was like, had to confess to gossiping? Yeah. And that's why she got sent to right. this retraining camp. Uh, right. Oh, one of um, Shannon says, just looked up an article. It says the family were in it until Joaquin was three. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have that right here in my notes about River Phoenix. Then um, we're jumping to the 90s. David Berg said that Jesus was going to come back in 1993. But by the time 1993 rolled around, that didn't happen. Jesus didn't come back. I would argue, though, that Janet Jackson's self-titled album was released in 1993. Look, it's God is where you find him. <laughs> for for me, as a seven-year-old, that, that album had a very profound impact on my life. So who's to say that Jesus didn't come Absolutely. back? But not the one he was hoping for. No. And, no. Uh, David Berg died in 94. Yeah. He was basically an alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, he was 75 years old. Um, he, yeah, I think it was unexpected. Right. So, but, but the, just because he's gone, the cult is not gone. No. Oh, I saw something insane and I can't remember what episode it was. They did technically ban sex with children. Oh, that's in the next episode. <laughs> oh, in the next yeah. episode. <laughs> I yes. couldn't remember because we're jumping around timeline wise. So um, let's just start with, let's just get to part four. But Karen Zerby takes over basically. Yeah. She's the cult is still there and she's now running the cult. And that's what we learn in, in part four. Uh, part four, we start, it opens with Ricky, AKA Davidito with his like self taped videos from when he's older yeah, they're, these are really disturbing. They're very tough to watch. This is a very damaged person who, uh, I mean, rightfully so, he like has been tortured his entire life. It's really hard to watch these clips of these videos. Well, he, I think at some point, or do we get to the, I, mean, I think we get how he leaves in this episode. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But it just opens. That's how part four or opens. Then we go back to Celeste. Celeste's mom and sister, they leave the cult when she was 13. And now they're officially enemies of the cult. Right. So Celeste stays behind with her father. The cult at this point renames themselves to the family. The Family International. Okay. Right. So yeah. they're trying to go for a rebrand, but everything's still the same. That happens a lot. The yeah. rebrand. Because didn't S do the rebrand too? And now they're like the forum or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Not that there is that, but no. So Christina, who's Celeste's sister, she spoke to the press in the 90s about the abuse in the cult. And we see footage of her on talk shows yes. speaking. She starts bringing the word out. And I thought it was pretty outrageous that this one talk show she was on, they have her sit down next to active cult members to discredit her on the yeah. same couch that she was sitting on. It was weird. We don't need both sides on this one no <laughs> no especially when those people are abusers like yeah. yeah so uh young cult members then began to do like a um, pr campaign to bolster the image of the cult so these cult members are going on larry king to tell the public that everything's fine no yeah. one no kids are being abused everything's totally good um and at this point the leaders of the cult tell everyone that they need to start burning the material and the like newsletters that detail all the sexual abuse. Right. Obviously they couldn't get rid of all of it because we have evidence of that yes. and it's presented in this docu-series. By the mid nineties, membership had dwindled significantly. Karen Zelby, who is now the leader of the cult, she rewrote some of the rules that say, all right, all right, no more child sex. But child sex was still happening. Yeah. Like it was it was just in the official bylaws. It's like we gotta keep this on the DL now. Right. Yeah. So Hope says, who's one of the survivors, she says that she was being sex trafficked to raise money for her commune. Yes. So now they're they're expanding this the abuse of these girls. Like they're not just keeping it in the cults. Yes. Yeah. And Veritas, she's the one from Scotland. She escapes the cult when she's like a young woman or maybe she's like 18 or something. She becomes a raver. Yeah. And I was, you know, it's like, 
I don't blame her. Go be a raver Honestly, for a few years. One of my favorite stories to hear is the stories of people who got out of cults. Like, even though it's so traumatic, like hearing their survival stories and how they get out and like, yeah, you're going to do some drugs and like party and have fun and be free for a bit. Right. Makes perfect sense. Right. Uh, so yeah, I like, I like hearing them. I'm just glad these women are like intact enough to be able to tell their stories. Oh my God. I just like, I can't even imagine. I can't even begin to imagine. They're definitely still so troubled, but also very strong. Yeah. Very strong. So, um, then we get to the part that made Desi and I rewind it because we couldn't fucking believe what we just heard. There's this whole part in part four where Celeste gets invited to Karen Zelby's big ass fucking mansion. Now they're in Portugal. They're in Portugal where Karen Zelby has this. I mean, like, this is where all the money's going. Well, and this is the thing about this cult that makes it hard to take down, I think. They don't have a headquarters. Right. Uh, and they're kind of all over the world and constantly moving over multiple jurisdictions, which we've talked about in smaller cases. Right. Um, but yeah, the lack of a headquarters makes it really hard to find them uh, oh, right. and prosecute them. And sometimes, and they're often in these smaller towns. They're not like, we're in London. Right. So they're in Portugal. And as soon as Celeste open like goes to Karen Zelby's house she learns that the house is called the house of the open pussy that's like the official title of the house now she thinks she's going there too because she was specially chosen it's right. made to seem like she was being rewarded she arrives and it finds out where she's saying is called the house of open pussy now <laughs> look that look uh, honestly it's too bad that that title is so tainted <laughs> By such a horrific institution, because that is that could be a cute name for a house. Yes, but this is. But that's not what you want to hear when you're a young girl. No, going to your dream. No, vacation. no, it's like this is horrific, top to bottom, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have anything else to add for part four before we move into the conclusion? Um, I do have in my notes, Kate. <laughs> What's her name, Kate or? Zerby, K- Karen, Karen, Zerby. Karen Zerby. She's Zerby. like an evil bitch. Yeah, like I hate her. I hate her so too. much. Um, I think we didn't really get into more Davidito, right? Because he's beginning to speak out now too. Yes. While they're at this Portugal, um, while we're at this Portugal house, that's also where they have um, they start having these orgies, and Celeste befriends Davidito because he's there still. He's still in the cult. And that's where she notices that he um, is resentful of the cult and um, wants to get out. Like he's mocking what's going on there as they're, you know, having these orgies or these big Moulin Rouge themed parties. Um, She also gets pregnant shortly after Celeste, right? Yes. Now, um, I think now we're in the early 2000s. They've established a network for all of the survivors of this cult. So they're starting to kind of come together. And I think this is an important step as they go on this road to sort of seeking justice. They start telling each other their stories. And a lot of these people have never spoken to someone else about all the abuse they suffered. Meanwhile, Ricky is in Arizona. He's making these chilling videos. Davidito. I'm sorry, Ricky Davidito. Uh, He's admitting to all this rage he has. At some point, he sets off to kill his mother, but he can't find her, much like the rest of the world. So he goes to, I believe she was like a nanny for him when they were in the cult. Her name is Angela Smith. He goes to her. uh, He stabs her to death. This is uh, his mom's best friend. He couldn't find his mother. So he then just goes back home to his home and kills himself. So this becomes a national news story when this happens. I think they show a clip of Anderson Cooper uh, talking about it. Um, she then, I thought this was sick. Now this triggered me as like an abuse survivor who had abusers who never sort of cop to what they did. The rest of this documentary was like, yep, that's how it fucking is. And that fucking hurts. And it's the worst part of it all. Now his mom, who is running the cult now, Karen, she sends out a letter about his death. That's one of the sickest fucking things ever. She basically blames it all on his rejection of her and the cult 
that this is what happens when you leave the cult, you get taken over by the devil and you kill yourself and my best friend. She takes zero responsibility. She also claims that um, now they're both in heaven. So the devil can't harm them anymore and all of this kind of stuff. So she tries to use their death to bolster her own uh, cult bona fides and like why everyone should stay. It's sick. Obviously the victims that we're following in this documentary are disgusted by this. Uh, this kind of inspires Verite to um, finally give her statement to the police. And just having someone uh, hear her is enough for her at that time. Like she's never told her story. So she, she kind of gets the nerve to do that. Um, and that's where we end on episode four. Now, episode five is what I call the episode where these people are getting their justice finally. Um, they have this investigator named Neil Watson. He is with Scotland Yard. He is working like full time on this case. At this point, Karen is in hiding. Um, as I mentioned, by this point, there's only 1500 uh, members left. Um, no, there, none of them are getting justice yet, but they're all going into therapy, especially Verity, who had gone off the rails a bit with her fun times. Uh, but she's like getting therapy and that's obviously helping. Now we didn't get into this cause it's also fucked up. She was molested by her father in the cult. He was a cult member and he, she talks about it happening like at the age of four, the first time. And it's really awful to listen to. Um, there's also one of the biggest offenders in this cult is a man named Derek Lincoln. Mm. Uh, so he's someone that hope in particular is trying to take down. Um, it's really sick. Now, Celeste also gets a letter from the man who abused her. He does apologize and she does find some solace in this apology letter because he does own up to it. He doesn't face prosecution, but it seems to help her. Her dad is still in the cult, by the way. Holy and shit. she actually sent him this letter from this guy and is like, see, it like, happened. do you believe him? Like, right. Um, now, Verity actually gets her dad to agree to plead guilty to the charges he's facing, like, whatever, five counts of child abuse. She gets him to agree to it. And this is great for her because she won't have to testify. He's right. just going to plead guilty. Of course, he fucking shows up and decides to not plead guilty <gasps> last minute. And she has to then go and testify against him, which is exactly what she didn't want to do. That shit's so evil. She did do it, though. Um, and he does get convicted, but it's a bullshit sentence. It's like 200 hours of community service, uh, et cetera. But she did get uh, a conviction at least. And he's also really old and will probably die soon. So that's good. <laughs> now, this guy, Derek Lincoln, they're after this guy. He's, he's still out there. No, no, he's not. He gets busted. At this point, he's still out there. He's like traveling all over though. He's in France They've seen him there. They have pictures of him with various hair and like glasses. Uh, Look, can I just say every time they show, they always show the same picture of him in this documentary. Yes. I wanted them to stop his face. I could, <laughs> I could not stand to look at it one more time. It's a revolting <laughs> image because it's like, he looks like a fucking sexual abuser. Look, I just, can't explain it, look, it. Like, look, it's, it's too on the nose. It's like casting 101 or something. It it's was a cliche. Awful. Now, Derek Lincoln is arrested eventually. Yeah. Obviously, I think the thing I really started getting emotionally tied up in this episode at the end was how all of these women at this point and other survivors were all connected to just one of them having a victory. Mm. It's like just getting one person convicted, everyone would kind of feel good about that. Right. Um, so he's finally arrested. He is sentenced to 11 years in prison and he's old now he's in his seventies. So he'll probably die in prison. Uh, luckily. And all of these women were just, crying uh and i cried because it was like such a fucking relief finally only two people have been convicted from this cult uh for these kind of charges in the uk and it's just uh it was a hard documentary to watch but the end really was um i like seeing these women get their victory yeah and uh they all seem to be 
getting through it and doing pretty well considering everything. Right. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty much where we ended up. Well, did you like the docuseries? What did you think about I it? I did. It was a lot to take in. Yeah. Because it's... Uh, I mean, it's hard to hear that, but at the same time, you can feel like I'm hearing these women's stories. Like, right. I'm going to listen to them right? Uh, because they want it to be known. And I definitely feel like it should be known. And it's important to hear people out and listen to them and make them feel heard at the very least. Right? Exactly. So, yeah, I would say uh, we're going to have a much lighter show yes. next week. <laughs> Right? That's yes, I think we have a much lighter show coming next week. I'm so excited for Me next too. week's show. It's it's gonna be it's one of my favorite topics. So um let's should we open the room up? Yeah, let's open the room up. If anyone wants to speak with us, now's your chance. I'm looking for a speaker request. Do you have anything to say on this documentary? We would love to hear it. Anything on any other crimes or stories we've or, covered? Or related to the pod in general. Yeah. Let's go. Let's hear it, babes. Come on. (laughs) We're going to start calling on people. Guys, don't make me call on you. Honestly. I see a request, but I'm not seeing it. There are no new requests. Okay. Are there old requests? Oh, Chocolate Dreams. We're just taking uh, requests to speak. We're talking about uh, cults. Yeah. Raise your hand if you want to speak. Do you guys know how to uh, raise your hand? And teacher will um, pick you. Yeah, we're just in the... Oh, wait, we have people. Okay, Lainey, let's go. Hi, Lainey. Hey, friends. So great job discussing this because it truly is a gnarly um, documentary. And I agree. I I definitely cried during some parts because it's just so sad, like when you drill down to it. Um, But we were all kind of chatting in the chat earlier. And I think we really do deserve to have like a cult expert come in because I'm just so... It boggles my mind that especially people who have like established families outside of this cult, right? And then they decided to join how they were able to be like bamboozled by this person, but also like put the safety and well-being of their kids at risk with without like any forethought to it. Like you're willingly allowing your kids to get, you know, or to be abused And then your kids kind of have to live with that trauma and you see a lot of them processing that. So I was just curious to see what you guys, you know, think about that. Well, I think uh, while every cult has their own unique uh, philosophies, some of them are intersect with each other and the practices are different and the same. A lot of the techniques to recruit people are just across the board very similar. And I think we talked about a bunch is the love bombing. And a lot of times people who are feeling lost or some type of way are vulnerable people. Maybe people who are uh, economically struggling. They don't have anywhere to go or they're uh, emotionally struggling and they're preyed upon And so they're in these vulnerable states and they're willing to do anything to have a sense of community and to feel loved and wanted. I think what I was thinking a lot with this, because I felt like the victims were often like, and I kind of get this coming from my background. It's like, you're more hurt by like what your parents didn't do to protect you than almost the trauma that the perps did to you. Uh, And I I sense that with them a lot. It's like, they just wanted their mom and dad to be like, let's get the fuck out of here now. Right. Yeah. And no one really stood up for them. Exactly. Uh, and that's kind of like Rose McGowan. We were talking about that in the chat. She was also part of this cult. Right. Um, and luckily her dad, you know, recognized like, oh, hey, I was here for the hippie love, but not the child love or quote unquote love of you know, right, the whole right. thing yeah. and escaped with them. But I also think it's very like Scientology-esque that they end up like, chasing and harassing members who leave the quote unquote unquote, escape, you know, and you hear that a lot, like as much as Scientology tries to go, we're not a cult. They obviously are. Um, And they are very reminiscent of this, you know, like trailing people and trying to find them and to kind of get them to come back. But through fear, it's very much, you know, a, a very like abusive relationship on multiple levels. And I just, I'm mind boggled by the whole thing because obviously I could never see myself, you know, in that right. position. Um, and, you know, I just have to wonder like as a parent too, like how, 
how can you not push aside your own, you know, need to belong to protect your kid? I don't get it. Um, but it makes sense where you're like, you're saying they want to belong. And so maybe they in some way want the same thing for their own kid. Like they don't want their kid to miss out on it, but it's, I think, yeah, I was thinking about, especially in that period of time, a lot of the seventies kind of self-help and all of those movements, it was like, make yourself better. And then your kids will have a better you. So I think there was that mentality, a little bit of like, kind of focus on your own needs and that's actually good for your kids. And we've definitely kind of walked away from that somewhat, which is probably good. Yeah, Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, Okay, I'm going to take another person. Thanks, everyone. Okay, thanks. Laura. Laura, you're on the air. Did I close Laura? (laughs) Hey, guys. Oh, hi, Laura. (laughs) Hi, thanks so much for uh, for doing this. It's fantastic. Um, I just wanted to kind of point out, as Desi was saying toward the end, how, you know, listening to the women's stories was important and and kind of... um, you know, just <laughs> made it worthwhile of getting through that slog of a <laughs> sadness. Um, but I am interested to see going from that, how many people will actually come out and say, uh, me too, this happened to me. And I'm also, you know, a survivor of this and bring more people to uh, justice for this, hopefully. Yeah, I think like what I was going to say, what I meant to tag on to what Lainey was talking about, I think part of the fear is that they vilify everyone who leaves. And not only that, they're splitting up families from the get go. Like once you come in, you don't have your uh, family unit anymore. That's kind of destroyed. So you probably feel even more isolated about leaving because that's your family now. Uh, so hopefully I, I would hope that people can see these women who have gotten out and some men also have gotten out in the documentary uh, and that they see that there is a life outside of this, that they will have this network that's now created of all of these survivors to kind of help them out with resources and just support and kind of like, yeah, I've been in the same thing that you have been through. And I know what exactly what you're saying is true. Like, yeah, sometimes people just, it's as simple as some people, they don't want to feel stupid for being duped. Oh, totally. I mean, just with any kind of, well, I have that too on small things. Yeah. I don't want to admit that I got tricked by an asshole guy or like, right. do you know what I mean? It's like part of it's just being like admitting it and moving on. Yeah. That can be tough. Okay. Sure. Thank thanks, you. Laura. Okay. okay. Claire. Hi, Claire. Are you there? Claire? Claire. Okay. I don't see Claire. Okay. What? What? Uh, she's on. We ought to unmute her. How do I do that? I don't know. I Maybe mute, she muted herself. I think she muted herself. Claire, unmute yourself. This is like Zoom. <laughs> Does anyone else want to speak? Yeah, someone else can ask a question while Claire unmutes herself. I guess. Press the mic button. We are. Oh wait. Oh. Claire. Hey, Hi, dude. Can sorry, I- my pizza came, and I. Yes! <laughs> yes! And I set my. Yeah, I set. The phone down, and then I walked away, and then my dog started barking, and I didn't know that this was still happening. So I'm sorry. This is so relatable. We like your hot dog emoji. I was going to ask you, where are those hot dogs from on your profile picture? Um, I made them. Whoa, you did? They look good. I know. Well, my partner's a chef, so he made the queso sauce that's on them, but I made the hot dogs. Those are fucking delicious. Wait, what kind of pizza did you get? <laughs> um, it's just like extra cheese. And then I mostly ordered it. So I like I ordered a small pizza because I wanted the wings. Yeah. But I feel weird just ordering like wings from a pizza place. Absolutely. That's so, a- yeah. And I'm so lost. I'm sorry. I don't know what you guys were just talking about. But I watched... <laughs> I watched the whole thing. <clears throat> I listened to what you guys were the whole thing or, or whatever up until you guys were talking and I got the pizza. But I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that like, can you imagine? Okay, all of it was horrible, but I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that can you imagine actually like moving into one of these houses and finding those like 
child rape comics like in your basement. I just kept like picturing that like happening to somebody who like isn't interested in cult shit. Oh, I'm like, like the book or something. The book. Yeah. I was like, how did they actually get like all that shit? You know, there's like random shit lying around in those like random houses they were living in. Yeah. It's so wild. Yeah. They, I don't imagine they cleaned up too well (laughs) when they. No. So I'm just picturing some like kids. I don't know. I that's I don't know. That was all I was gonna say. I think I was gonna say more. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know how long I was. <laughs> sorry to interrupt your pizza. Yeah, go eat your pizza. <laughs> I am gonna go eat it. I love you guys. This Bye. was fun. <laughs> okay. Bye. Ow, melon is biting me. You guys, melon is being so aggressive right now. Um, okay. Does anyone else have a comment? You can ask us about uh, shows, uh, anything. It's a free for all. Yeah. At this free, they didn't talk about what food they are. Oh, you're sad that we didn't talk about what food we ate in our mini episode. Should we like briefly touch on that? Okay. Touch on it. Des- <laughs> Desi and I are currently on a food program where we eliminated sugar. <laughs> And look, there's sugar in everything. There's sugar in fucking everything. And it's it's very like we're eating a lot. We're cooking everything, but it's like we're, we're not exactly deep frying stuff. No. So we wanted to hear all about Claire's pizza for a reason. Yeah, look, we're living vicariously. <laughs> <laughs> Desi and I are learning about balanced meals. I was saying to Rachel today, it's so much easier to just not eat all day and then order a lot of food. <laughs> At night? No. But we're eating breakfast. We're like eating breakfast and all healthy meals. We're eating. It's really hard. It's really hard. It it is terrible, Shannon. We're eating five times a day and none of it's cheeseburgers. (laughs) Or cheese plates. Or cheese plates. I actually almost called Milk Farm, the cheese store I go to like weekly (laughs) in the past and was like, guys, I'm going to (laughs) be like, I wanted to tell them that I wasn't mad at them, but I will be back. Like... (laughs) That's that's how emotionally attached I am to the food I eat. Like I felt emotionally sad. Like guys, yeah. don't worry, I'm still friends. Like oh my god, no, we uh, this is temporary. This is like a two month deal. It's a challenge for both of us. Right. We're also doing some like uh, strength. We're trying to get ripped. Yeah, like we're, we're getting ripped for touring. Yeah, that's our goal. Like we want to get jacked. I don't want to get ripped, but just a little less. I'm trying to get like strong again i used i used to be like very athletic and i'm like eating a lot of protein right now it's not fun i miss my late night chips i realized i because we're doing like it's like 40 percent protein 40 percent carbs and 20 percent fat and i realized i like a more fat carb diet (laughs) (laughs) yeah you have a request for okay okay i'm sorry i'm laughing okay okay let's talk to chocolate Chocolate dreams. I have chocolate dreams. <laughs> hey, chocolate. Oh, I got to get accepted. Hello. How are you guys Hi. doing? Hi. So I thought I wasn't working this whole time, but it was just you have to accept me. Okay. I'm new to this. But anyway, I really like, I'm enjoying your podcast. I just walked in and I really enjoy it a lot. Oh, thank you. Yes. But I wanted to talk about, because I came in too late and I don't really know anything about this documentary, which I will be adding to my list. Thank you. I did watch a documentary on Netflix about a couple that kind of accepted their neighbor into their family. And then he was actually like grooming their daughter. Did you guys ever see that? that? And I kind of wanted to talk about that. Is that kind of like a cult-like type of thing? Or is that more like I mean, he's definitely like a... A kind of, I feel like he's like a cult leader without a cult, yeah. Because he was a right. groomer and obviously a child predator, and she mm-hmm. moved away with him, right? Yes. Right. And I yes. think that I think that they were duped by him too, and kind of allowed it all. Yeah, was he was of- manipulating them too. He was actually making the father do like sexual things to him. And That's right. He had feel guilty. Yes. Because they were and super religious. Taking the mom, and then was yes. messing with the mom behind the dad's back. <laughs> No, that was a wild documentary. It was yes. so wild. I really yes, enjoyed yes. that documentary. It was fucked up. It was just very like odd to see how somebody like made a fa- a whole family get so comfortable to them, just comfortable with them, just to tear them all down inside out from the dad to the mom. Like that's sick to me. I feel sick. like they have a similar quality 
like he had a similar quality to like a David Berg. It's yes. just this like narcissist yeah. kind of manipulative. Cares through just, other people's lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. with no fucking care for anyone. Right. Yep. Yep. Wow. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Okay. You know. Thank you. Thank Good you, point. chocolate. No, thank, thank you. you. All right. Um, we have Phil. We have one more. Hi. Oh, hi. Phil? Do oh, we have Phil? I we- see her face. I, I know she's like a longtime listener of our podcast, so I want to give her a second. Hi. Hi. Oh, my God. What a dork. I'm like all freaked out with the unmute. unmute. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So my question is, are you guys uh, cutting out the sugar because now you're planning to be perhaps on screen on some kind of show because now you're going live, which I'm really enjoying, but I'm wondering if this is part of the bigger scheme of things. It's actually not, uh, but that would be, <laughs> uh, that's not, but I, for, I mean, for me personally, I have horrible uh, I have panic disorder and I know sometimes like my diet can affect that. So a big part of it is trying to get my diet more balanced so that I don't have as many panic attacks. Right. Yeah. Um, that would make sense. Is it working? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's an adjustment period. We just started. We just started. So honestly, it's right now I'm kind of like going through a sugar withdrawal, but it's more just about not Whatever, not eating the way I was eating, which was not a good. We were on a pandemic pasta, bread, <laughs> cheese diet, which Same. was fun while it lasted. Yeah, it's just trying, you know, and I do, I do want to get, we both of us want to get strong and feel strong. And yeah, like, we just felt, we felt like winded when we would take our walks. And like, <laughs> uh, we had reached so a breaking point. This is a pretty balanced, healthy diet. It's not extreme. We're not, we're just cutting out sugar, which is extreme because we love it but we're slowly going to add it back in we just have to figure it out yeah we're not doing any kind of extreme diet we're not cutting out entire food groups like we're not yeah we're not hungry guys just cutting out sugar it's like cutting out everything (laughs) we're not hungry we're just sad (laughs) (laughs) we're just sad sad. (laughs) yeah but we'll be back what kind of stories are or the topics can we expect you guys to uh, be doing this coming fall season? Well, I think next week we're going to be talking about um, the Bob Ross documentary that will be airing. On- and supposedly there's some huge criminal <laughs> revelation. So we're kind of excited to see that. I think we'll be talking about the um, Lulu, 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 um, MLM documentary scandal. Uh, eventually, I think that's an, I don't think it's next week. I think it's like two weeks. Okay. Well, it's, uh, and that's like Amazon prime. So it's about the MLM scandal and it looks like a juicy one. I think we might also hit on, um, the impeachment Ryan Murphy show, the, um, what is it called? American crime story. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we're just constantly looking. If you ever see something coming out, hit us up on social media and let us know just in case we miss it. But we are kind of looking week to week and trying to find the best thing to um, recap recap for you guys. uh, And hopefully it's relevant to all of our interests. And then we have a lot of really fun shows planned for our podcast. Yeah. We, of course, we look forward to every year, October, which is our Halloween month, we do our horror movie versus reality. Yeah. So, so. yeah, we're, we're working it. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got fun stuff planned. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Is there any um, of oh, the Woodstock 99 documentary? Yeah. We kind of, when we were initially going to start the show, it, it got delayed. And I think we were going to do that one, but then it was already a few weeks past so we felt like the moment had kind of passed. If you don't listen to our podcast, we did do an episode on Woodstock 99 where we talk about everything that happened. Did you guys like the documentary, the Woodstock 99 documentary? Who's Betty Page? Uh, Betty Page is like a pinup model from the 50s with black hair and black bangs. She kind of has that rockabilly look. <laughs> Wait, is that a documentary called Who's Betty Page? Oh, Who's Betty Page? (laughs) Sorry, I'm so dumb. Wait, or is she asking, where did Betty Page come up? Oh, oh, would you consider doing an episode on podcast on Betty Page? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Oh yeah, no, I I mean we could find an angle to I'm sure Betty Page had a very interesting life. Google Betty Page chocolate. She's like one of the coolest models of all time. Yeah. Oh, we're at 8 p.m. Okay, great. Okay. We finished. We're gonna bounce and thanks so much for showing up again. Yeah. We love all of you and we will see you live next week and then we'll release some shows this week. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Bye. All right, bye. How do we hang up? <laughs> <laughs>